So good. Hello, hello. So happy to be with you guys. We've got a lot of work to do. You guys ready? We got a lot of work. We're so, so excited. But we do have to fix one thing again. I think I may have mentioned this last time I was here. Ben, bless his heart, he pronounces my name wrong every time. It's not Carlos, it's Carlos. So with all of the Baltimore in you, can you just say, what's up, Carlos? There we go. Okay, I feel at home. So glad to be here. Um, yes, what I love to do is, is I love to deal hope. He, I'm a hope dealer. That's what I tell people on airplanes that I do. They look at me really confused. But that, that's why I'm here. Uh, anyone here, um, here at the Mountain Campus, again, or Edgewood, or Bel Air, Abington, or the online campus, anyone need a little bit of hope today? Can I get an amen? amen. Woo, don't we? Right, we are in desperate need of hope We're living in times where hope seems to be stripped away from us every single day. It's even sometimes hard to breathe. And so here's the good news. There is more hope in the pinky finger of Jesus Christ that we could ever handle. And this hope is real. And we're going to chase after that hope today. You know, uh, Ben was talking about the video of my family that went viral um, and uh, I played it last time I was here, but I got to play it again because, because it's, yeah, it's just, uh, I've, I've probably seen it 4,000 times, but I laugh every single time. I dissect, you can see all the, the, uh, the different versions of my children in the car. You can see which one is fire. And, and so, so we're just going to, I'm just going to show you guys because this video, it really bookends um, the beginning of a, of a season for me that we're going to be talking about. So check it out. The Whitaker family of Atlanta was in the car just singing along to Beyonce's hit song, Single Ladies. And then the family fun took an unexpected turn. Lassai, you're not a single lady, buddy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're a single lady. Oh! Sorry. Sorry. Look, buddy, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. You can do it. (laughs) Buddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. You're a single lady, okay? Okay? Here we go. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. Sorry. Did that hurt your feelings? You can be a single lady if you want, okay? Oh my gosh. Don't apply that. <laughs> that video goes crazy, right? Like it's everywhere. Uh, we're, we, 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 we ended up winning the People's Choice Award for Viral Video of the Year. We, we, were, uh, we won awards for that. And I just, I just, I'll never forget again, just everything in that season of life seemed to be going so good. Every time, you, you guys have those seasons, right? Where, I mean, things are just working. They're just clicking. Everything you touch touches just works. And the, the, the danger in seasons like that, the danger when everything is going amazing is that we start to believe our own hype. The danger is we, we start to believe that we are somehow responsible for the blessings in our lives. That because we're making good decisions and we're being good and we're working hard, that somehow we are responsible for our lives, and that can't be further from the truth. You see, every good and perfect gift comes from God, not from your hard work. Sure, 
Some things are better because we work hard and better because we're making good choices, but every good and perfect gift comes from God. And we are in no way, shape, or form responsible for our blessings. But when we start to believe our own hype, and when we start to think like, oh, I'm doing good and things are going great, and it's really easy at that point to take our gaze off of God and put our gaze on the earth and all the ways that the earth can satisfy us. You see, it's, it's hard to be human. It really is. It's hard. And there's pain involved in our lives. And so there's all kinds of stuff around us that we go to to take the pain of life away. We all have them. We all have our, our addictions. We all have the, the things in our life that, well, I'm not, I'm not like, it's not super bad, so I can, I, I, can, I can keep dabbling in this part of the world. But the problem, again, is this. Every time we step into the world and away from the kingdom of God, that's farther away from the throne of grace. And the throne of grace is where we need to hang on to it every season, not just the bad seasons of life, but the great seasons of life. You see, at this point in my journey, everything was going amazing. And there were some secret sins in my life that were secret. And when things were not going great, they were like my comfort. But as things got better and I kept doing these things, I was like, oh, well, it must not matter. I must be able to continue to have these secrets in my life. Well, let me tell you, 10 months after we won a People's Choice Award for Viral Video of the Year, 10 months after my family is on every news station, I'm in the back of my house with the kids playing tag and tickle, and we're, 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 we're laughing. It's like, a, and I, I remember it specifically, it was just such a surreal moment. Everything was so good. I walked out, and I'm walking out to the front of the house, and I'm calling my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, come here. And I can't remember what I had to ask her, but she wasn't answering. And we lived in a small, tiny house. And I knew she heard me, and I was like, hey, Heather, Heather, babe, come here. Heather. And I realized when I walked around the corner, and I saw my backpack, and my laptop was gone. My breath left, and I knew that I had been exposed. And I knew that the secrets that I had been swimming in, the secrets that the day before were bringing me comfort, in this moment, absolutely destroyed everything in my life. And she'd taken my laptop, and she'd taken the car, and she was gone. And I sprinted back to my bedroom and I grabbed the kids. They were really little at the time. And I remember sitting them on the bed. And I remember telling them that daddy's made a mistake. And things are about to be different. And I'm so sorry. And I apologized to them. And they were looking so confused. And in the middle of my talk to them, the door, I go to the front door and it's my best friend, Blake. And he goes, we know everything. It's over. Heather wants the kids. And it was over. My sins weren't secret anymore. My sins weren't medicating my pain anymore. They brought me more pain, the most earth-shattering pain I've ever experienced. Moved out of my house. Went and stayed with some friends. And I remember shaking my fist at God that night. 
God, where are you? God, why did you allow these addictions to continue to creep in? God, why have you taken my family away from me? Why have you allowed me to do this? And I was so mad at God. He felt so far away, I was shaking my fist at him. And as painful as it is to hear, here's the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not dependent on your feelings. The gospel of Jesus Christ has actually nothing to do with how far away you feel from God. Because let me tell you the truth. No matter how dark or desperate of a time you're in right now, he is right there with you. Right there. And so you may feel far away, but there is hope. There is hope in the gospel. Even as I've lost my family, my wife didn't talk to me for four months. Not one word. We were the epitome on national television of the perfect, cute little family. And my marriage was over. Four months. I listened to every podcast I could listen to on how to fix my sins. I read every book I could listen to on how to fix my sin issue. And so you guys know, this isn't going to be a marriage talk today. So if you're, if you're thinking, oh, he's just talking about marriage. No, 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 no. We all have these issues in our lives that in the blink of an eye can destroy it all. But the beautiful thing is that we have Jesus. And in a moment, and in a moment, everything can change. And I try, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like texting her, and I decided to, to leave darkness and chase light. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm changing, I'm changing, I'm changing. Silence. I sent her one truth every single day. I texted her on her phone. That's what my therapist told me to do. Just send, don't, don't, don't keep writing her books and novels. Just send her one truth of what you're learning. For four months, I sent her truths. Never heard back. Nothing. Divorce papers slid to me. It's over. It's over. And then, after time of me chasing light, spoiler alert, that same family that I lost, they're waiting for me back in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Because God is a God of restoration. God is a God of redemption. God is a God of hope. So no matter how, how bad things feel right now, no matter how bad things feel right there, even if the marriage is that you're in or, or the, the cancer or the sickness or the job, even if those things don't work out, there is still hope. So much hope. We're going to dive into that because what I realized is this, and this is important, kind of the first little nugget for the day. Freedom and breath is not found in striving. Freedom is found in surrender. And you see, that's miles apart. Striving is we're going to bootstrap, pull our bootstraps up and fix things. No, it's not how you're going to do it. You're going to stop trying and allow Christ to live through you and surrender. Then you're going to find freedom and hope. And so here's the thing. Marriage begins to get fixed, but life it was still hard. I was going to therapy. I was still trying to fix things, but it still wasn't working. And I needed this promise. And, and here's a promise. In 1 Peter, it says this. Watch this. This is such an incredible scripture. Should give you so much hope. Now, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally, whoa, this is getting good, restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. That is the greatest scripture on the planet. 
until it keeps going. After you have suffered. So here's the promise. The promise of restoration, establishment, support, and strengthening. That's a promise. But there's also a promise that we're going to suffer. Amen? Suffering's real. But it ends with an even greater promise. A little. A little. It doesn't say a lot. See, it says a little. If you're in the middle of suffering right now, it's not going to last forever. I promise you. But this is so beautiful because it's like suffering is sandwiched in between restoration, strengthening, and a little. And so just understand that if you're in the middle of it, there is an end coming and there is breath coming. And we're going to find out how to get there. So as we continue on in my story, I was striving. I finally, I finally fixed things. And, but I'm still not quite there. My, the, those sin issues are still, I mean, they're not massive anymore, but they're still there. Like I'm still, I'm still there's a desire. I still want some of these things. So I'm going to therapy, and I'm in therapy every week for two years with my therapist, Al. What a great therapist name, Al. And I walked in, and Al was telling me, hey, man, Carlos, you're getting close. You're getting close. And I was like, sweet. And when I first walked into Al's office, this is what he told me. He goes, Carlos, your problem is you keep, this is exactly what he said, you keep rubbing crap on your blessings. Every time you get a blessing, you rub crap on it. You find a way to mess it up. Because you don't feel like you deserve it. So you mess it up every time. And I remember when he first said that, it, it offended me. But then I was like, no, this, this is true. So after two years of therapy, I think I was rubbing less and less on my blessings. To where I was just messing it up a little bit. And I was like, Al, I want to stop completely. He's like, oh, let me tell you what you need to do. What you need to do is go to this place called Onsite. And I was like, oh, what's Onsite? He's like, well, listen, you've been coming to therapy every year for a week. Oh, excuse me, um, every, the last two years, every week, one hour at a time. What you need to do, just I think to finally fix it, is I'm going to send you to a place called Onsite. And it's seven straight days of experiential therapy. And I was like, no. <laughs> Why in the world would anyone do that? That sounds miserable. Al, I love you, but like, I, I can't imagine hanging out with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's like, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think you should do that. And I was like, uh, you know, that's, that's a cute idea, but I'm not going to do it. So I go home. And Heather's like, hey, how was Al today? And I was like, oh, he, he, he kind of was a little off his rocker. Because he said, he thinks for me to finally get all the way to the top of where I need to get to, I need to go to seven straight days of therapy. And she goes, so what's the website to sign up on? <laughs> 14 days later, I find myself in my minivan with my suitcase. And my wife driving as fast as she can <laughs> to on-site workshops, seven days of therapy. And my kids are in the backseat of the car. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad because my dad, my dad's a saint. My dad's such an inspiration to me. I talk to my dad like every other day. And so I needed to tell him that I'm not going to, they take your phone when you go to this horrible place. And, and I needed to tell him that, that I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to have my phone. So I remember when I called him thinking to myself, I need to make sure that, um, I don't know how, I don't want to tell my dad I'm going to seven days of therapy. So I told him, he's like, where are you going, Carlitos? And I was like, oh, dad, I'm going on a retreat. Sounded so much better. He's like, well, why are you going for a week to a retreat? And I go, dad, 
Al keeps telling me that I rub crap on my blessings. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to figure out why. And now my dad goes, Carlitos, I know why you rub crap on your blessings. It's like, why did you wait 40 freaking years to tell me? And so my dad launches this story, but just so you know, my dad, uh, such an inspiring man, he, he came to Panama, excuse me, he came from Panama to the United States. When he was 18 years old, my grandparents, who lived in a project in the ghetto in Colón, Panama, saved enough money. She was a church organist at her local church and saved enough money to buy my dad a plane ticket to get him out of Panama and to America. And my dad landed in America in Los Angeles with $20 and a shoeshine kit. And my dad shined shoes at LAX for six months. And he made enough money for one semester at LA Community College. Then he went to LA Community College for a year, made straight A's, got a scholarship for the next year, made straight A's, got a scholarship to UCLA, made straight A's. My dad is now Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker. Yeah, that's the man I'm talking about. He's so inspiring. He makes me feel so freaking lazy. But he's just such a hard one. He's just, gosh. And, and he, he's a, he was a pastor in East L.A. in Pico Rivera, black Panamanian from Panama who immigrated to the United States, the greatest country on the planet, because you can do that stuff here. You can do that stuff. You can escape poverty here. So my dad, this is why I tell you that, because I need you to know who my dad is. And I also have a picture of my father, just so you know, before we launch, this is a picture of my dad. I mean, what a good-looking guy. There should be like a halo around him. This man is a saint to me, and he's about to launch into this story. But I also know that a lot of you guys are looking at him, and you're going, I've seen that man somewhere before. And you actually have, because this is also a picture of my father right there. I mean, he is. <laughs> my dad is the emoji. The first time I saw that, I was like, Dad, I feel close to you all the time. It's just a joke for the sake of it. He doesn't even know I do that, so don't let him know. Um, so my dad launches into a story, and I was like, Dad, listen, I only have a few minutes. Before I, I get to, to, to seven days of therapy. So tell, make it fast. He goes, let me tell you a story. When I was preaching my first survival in Panama, I was 17 years old. And I gave the invitation and nobody came forward. The last stanza of what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ms. Ramirez gets up at the back of the church. And Ms. Ramirez begins to walk forward to the front. And Ms. Ramirez comes to me and she goes, Pastor. Can you please pray that the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life? So my dad was like, that was very poetic. So Carlitos, I prayed that. Lord, I pray, please clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. So he says, Carlitos, the next night of the revival, Mr. Ramirez gets up and she walks down again. And she comes forward and I'm thinking, she's going to tell me, he did it. He cleaned the cobwebs from my life. But she comes forward and instead she goes, Pastor, can you pray harder? That the Lord cleans the cobwebs from my life. So my dad said, he puts his hands on her. He says, Lord, we just ask again, you clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. Carlitos, night three of the revival. Mr. Ramirez gets up. She walks forward. She looks at me with tears in her eyes. She says, Pastor, can you pray one more time? That the Lord cleans the... And my dad said he stopped her mid-sentence. And said, no, we've been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight we pray. He kills the spider. Carlitos, he said, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin. 
I've watched you your entire, you're a professional cobweb cleaner. You cannot go to this place and clean the cobwebs. You must kill the spider. Friends, I've never heard my life more perfectly described. And just how so many of you, I saw the second I said kill the spider, your mouths went. Because you, you get it. I don't even have to preach the rest of this sermon. You know what he's talking about. Now, I didn't have a definition to what a spider was or a cobweb was, but I knew. I'd been messing with the symptoms, right? Cleaning the symptoms. But we can't do that. So I go. And I go to therapy, seven days of therapy. And here's a beautiful thing about therapy. And I'm a big believer in therapy. You can identify your spider there, locate your spider there, and corner your spider in therapy and talk therapy. But you will never kill the spider without the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ in your life. That's what you got to do. It takes Jesus. It takes Jesus. And so, how do we get there? How do we find it? Let's define it. A spider is, this is how I define a spider in my book. A spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. Let me say that again. A spider is an agreement you've made with a lie. You see, that is what has you bound. That, at some point in your life, in all of our lives in this room, I don't care if you're 13 years old or if you're 83 years old, The enemy wants to come in and convince us because he's a liar. And he wants to convince you of a lie. And there's a pain that has happened in your life. And because of that pain, you've made an agreement with that lie. Because you need need the pain to go away. And we make agreements with lies. This is the problem behind our sin issues. This right here. But in America, at least in most of the places I, I go, this isn't. What we deal with. We deal not with the spider, but with the cobweb. So let's define a cobweb. Stay with me. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. Say that again. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. You see this? This is what sells. This is infomercial land. You walk down the self-help aisle, Barnes and Nobles, it's the cowboy bio. Five steps to a better this. Three steps to fix this. Four steps. That's cleaning the cobwebs. We have to get past our medicating behaviors that are bringing us comfort and get to the lie, the spider. You see, right now, right away, you guys are thinking, it's in your head. You, you know what your cobwebs are. We know. It's not difficult. I mean, what are some of the big, gross cobwebs, right? The ugly ones? We'll talk about the pretty ones in a second, but the ugly ones, those ugly cobwebs, alcohol. It's medicating pain. It's medicating a lie you believe. Uh, if I just drink, it's medicating. You can't just stop drinking. You've got to find the lie, right? Food, either overeating or undereating. You're medicating. It's chemicals. You're medicating to bring comfort to an agreement you've made with the lie. What are some other ones? Pornography. Porn. Oh, if I just put a, if I just put a porn blocker on my phone and a porn blocker on my laptop and maybe give my spouse a, my passwords and that's just cleaning the cobwebs. 
Nothing's going to change. Maybe the, the very top, your behavior, but nothing's changing. It's a cobweb. Body image. Some people go different extremes. I, I know some people that work out, they have the most beautiful sculpted bodies on the planet, but that's their medicator to the lie that their worth is based on how they look. Oh, well, let's talk about some prettier ones. How about the hard worker? Oh, you're so successful. You've worked your way up to the corner office. And somehow that is medicating the belief that your identity and your worth is based on your title. There's the spider. Break that. You can still work hard. Not, not, not all cobwebs start off as cobwebs. God has given us all desires in our heart. Food's not bad. Working out's not bad. But they turn into cobwebs when they're medicating a lie that we're bound to. So, again, cobwebs are easy. I, even, I talked to my wife yesterday on the way here. And I said, babe, what, what about you? Like, get, give me some more common cobwebs. She's like, oh, tell them this. And I hadn't heard her say this in a long time. She said, my cobweb, one of my cobwebs, my wife is an incredible host. And she, she, she's, she's an incredible chef. She throws the greatest parties. People love when they come to our house. Our house looks like a Pinterest board. I mean, it is beautiful. People come to our home and they take pictures and they're like, oh, I want to do this to my wall. And she told me, she's like, Carlos, that is my cobweb. The parties I throw and how beautiful my home is because I believe, here's the lie, here's the spider. She must do to be loved. If I don't throw a party, will anybody come? If my house doesn't look this beautiful, will anybody care? See? You see, you see that this cobweb spider thing doesn't just have to do with the ugly alcohols and drugs. and th- No, it's everywhere. But she's finally free of that. And you can be free of yours too. Cobwebs are easy. You, got, you already know. If you don't know what your cobweb is, ask your family. Just don't do it in here because we don't have that much time. <laughs> spiders, on the other hand, the spider's going to take more work. A spider getting to the agreement, that's going to take more work. In order to get to your spider, okay, in order to get to your spider, you're going to have to hear from God himself. You have to pray specific prayers and hear from God himself. He's going to have to tell you what your spider is. And he will. But we have to learn to hear from God. You have to learn to hear from God. And trust me, for my, almost my entire Christian life, I didn't know what it meant to hear from God. What, what do you mean? Well, you, you have to ask God what your spider is. What is the agreement that you've made with the lie? And the first step to hear from God is this. We hear from God when we pay attention. Say pay attention. We hear from God when we pay attention. We have to pay attention to everything around us. I believe that God has been speaking to us We just haven't heard him because the volume of life is so loud. And we're moving so fast. When we lower the volume of life, the volume of God goes up. Pay attention. He's speaking right now. He's all around you. Maybe in not ways that you imagine. My wife and I were on a trip home from Ireland a few years ago. And we were super jet lagged. And like, my wife laughs at every single joke I make. And she was so jet lagged that she was not laughing at anything. And I knew it was bad, so I was like, oh, I'm going to tell her one more story. We were, we were in uh, P.F. Chang's in the Detroit airport. And uh, 
we were finishing our food, and I was like, I'm going to make her laugh. She's really tired. So I start telling her a story. And it was just, it was a dumb story. It was a story about me playing guitar once, and I had a, my percussionist forgot his, his egg, his little shaker egg. So he went to Guitar Center and to buy an egg, and they didn't have one. They just had eggs, or they just had shakers in the shape of bananas. So they handed him, and he came back, and I remember looking at him like, what is that? Why do you have a banana? And he's like, well, it's a shaker. And so he, he's shaking the banana the whole time, and person after person came up afterwards, like, the worship set was great, but why was your drummer shaking a banana all night long? Like, they didn't know. And I thought it was funny. Like, seven of you. And I'm telling my wife that, and she's just kind of like, it's not funny. I just want to go home. I said, okay, whatever. So I finished my story. The waitress comes, brings our bill, and then on the bill at, at P.F. Chang's, what's on top of the bill? Fortune cookie. So I open my fortune cookie. I'm not even thinking about it. I open it. I eat the fortune cookie. Didn't even look at my fortune. That's how much of a bad mood I was in. I picked up my fortune. And I stood up. And I looked. Looking for cameras. Because what word was on my fortune? One word. Banana! freaking nana what what and i stand up and i'm like heather heather and she looks at the and she starts dying laughing finally my joke wasn't funny but god was and i'm like it's this banana oh my gosh how are you and she's like carlos we serve a whimsical god we do god has a sense of you he's playing with us he's fun and I remember thinking, yeah, I used to think that that kind of stuff was coincidence. But let me tell you, I have never in my life, before a fortune cookie was delivered to me, told a story about a banana. And I've never in my life had a fortune with the word banana on it. And I know I, I've got about half of you here, but trust me when I say, God is in everything. And that wasn't a coincidence. It was God just nudging me going, hey, I'm in everything. See, you got to pay attention. It, 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 it's, it was so mind-blowing to me that I literally, I went home and I put that fortune in a frame. And it is next to my bed. Every morning I want to wake up and I want to roll over and see that to be reminded that we got to pay attention. God is in everything. We hear from God when you pay attention. But see, this is normal now. This is normal. This isn't a coincidence. This happens to me every day. Hang out with me. You're going to think it's crazy. We also hear from God when we ask questions. When we ask questions, specific questions, we're going to get specific answers. But the problem with a lot of us, and me, myself included, is I'm scared to ask specific questions. My prayers are very vague because I feel like if they're vague, and he doesn't answer, well, it's vague. But if we're specific and he doesn't answer, then we've got a problem. So I stopped asking, or I never really started asking specific questions. But the more I asked specific questions, I got specific answers. And the question you guys need to be asking today is, what is my spider? God, what is my spider? Everyone in here has one. The ones that are causing pain to the other person in the relationship and the ones that are being pained in the relationship. You're making agreements right now. We all have spiders. We've got to ask specific questions. And you need to practice, right? Don't, don't, 
don't be like, you know, Carlos said to ask specific questions. God, should I quit my job tomorrow and walk out of here and go quit your job? Okay, Let, let's start simple. Start simple. So whenever I talk to people about hearing from God and asking questions, I love to tell this story. My friend Marcus, who wanted to learn to hear from God, and he knows that that's something that I can do, was like, Carlos, can you help me? I've never heard from God. Like, I, I, I never have. And I was like, I, I bet you have. You just don't know it. He's like, well, does he go like, Marcus. <laughs> well, I said, well, let's practice. Let's start small. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, we were at coffee at the time. I said, why don't you pray right now and ask Jesus where we should go to lunch? And he was like, come on, man. Jesus doesn't care where we go to lunch. It's like, of course, he invented Chick-fil-A. Like, he, he cares where we go to lunch. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'll pray. He's like, I'll give it a shot. He goes, crosses his arms just like this, and he goes, Jesus, where do we go to lunch? Amen. <laughs> and I just kind of let him sit there uncomfortable for like 30 seconds. <laughs> and he goes, am I supposed to hear, like, hear something? I go, I don't know. He's talking to you, not me. <laughs> he goes, well, I'll go, what do you feel? He goes, oh, well, feel. Now we're talking about feelings. I feel like we should go to Tai Phuket over in Titan's parking lot. I said, was, was that God? He was like, I don't know. It was my gut or God. I don't know, but let's go. I said, okay, let's go. So we, we go to Tai Phuket, great Thai restaurant. We stopped talking about it. Jesus was t- telling, talking to him or not. We're just there. We were having Thai chicken curry soup. Jesus did not appear in our soup. It was just a normal, normal lunch. We kind of even forgot that we were talking about it. We get up and we walk out and we leave. He's like, man, you know, hugging each other goodbye. Then we hear, now I live in Nashville, Tennessee. We hear coming out of Thai Phuket, hey man, like the most redneck voice. Hey man, you, you. And he's pointing at us and we're like, he's like, this man comes running up to us. He's like, you guys are gonna think I'm so weird. And I was like, yeah. Man, but and he looks at Marcus and he goes, do you sometimes work on your laptop over at Frothy Monkey on 12 South? It's the coffee shop. And Marcus was like, yeah. He goes, man, I was in there the other day and I saw you. I mean, you're real tall. I recognize you and I saw you and I was reading my Bible and I felt like God was telling me to pray for you. But I didn't. And I didn't even think about it. And you walked out. But then you walked into Tafuket. And oh my God. Like, the whole time you were there, I was like, oh, oh, God. And then you walked out, and I, I couldn't be disobedient twice. So I had to chase you out here. And can, can I just please, please pray for you? And Marcus's eyes were like this big. <laughs> and I left him in that parking lot with that strange man. <laughs> Drove away. <laughs> Marcus calls me 10 minutes later with a trembling in his voice. He said, I get it. He does speak. Friends, I could spend all day here telling you story after story on when we pay attention and when you ask specific questions, you will hear and he will show you and he will answer you. So he's gonna tell you, I I, I have 100% confidence he's gonna answer your prayer, what your spider is. 
And in my book, I give you a whole bunch of prayers to pray and ask specifically. But here's the, here's the question I get all the time. Well, Carlos, Carlos, how do I know I killed it? How do I know it's really dead? Once, you, once you've confessed the lie, rejected the lie, and replaced the lie with truth, which are the steps to kill your spider, how, how do I know it's dead? Oh, you will know. You will know. And there's scripture that tells you, I believe, how you know. Watch this. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. You see, as believers, for far too long, we would take the period and put it right here after life. And I think before you kill your spider, you become a Christian and you live a life. But peace is what happens after you kill it. Peace does not and is not defined as everything is good. Okay, that's not what peace means. Peace does not mean that. Peace is something the Lord gives you to remove your mind from gazing at life and gaze at God instead. That's where peace is gonna come in. In scripture, it says peace is like a river, not peace is like a puddle, right? It moves, there's movement, there's more. What else? Well, here's another scripture. John 10, 10, a thief comes not only to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come that they may have life. Again, the period is not after life. There's more. And have it in what? Abundance. Abundance. That's what you're going to get when you kill your spider. There's so much more. I struggled with anxiety and depression for 15 years of my life. And I just, I remember praying, God, take it away. If you just take away my anxiety... Just get rid of my anxiety, God, then I'll, just, I, I, then I'll just have a nice, simple life and I'll wait for heaven and it'll be good. You see, that abundance, God did not send Jesus down to earth so that you can cope with your anxiety. He didn't die on a cross so you can cope. He died on a cross so you can be free and have abundance. And that's how you're gonna know that you've killed your spider, abundance. Let me define it this way, really quickly. When I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, my wife told me about a month after living there that she could hear me wheezing every night. Now, I'd never had asthma my entire life. Moved to Nashville when I was 33, and my wife tells me that I'm wheezing. And I was like, I don't believe you. So she, she like, she's like, you should just go to an allergist. I felt fine. I was exercising every day. I was running. I go to an allergist, and I was like, my wife says I'm wheezing. I don't believe her. I don't ever hear myself wheezing but I'm coming here to appease her. So he's like, okay, well, let's do an allergy test. So he does an allergy test on my back. If you've never had an allergy test, they prick you with different allergens. And then if you, if you, if you are allergic to it, you'll get like a little bump. My entire back just went poof. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're, you're allergic to Tennessee. <laughs> like just everything. Man, I'm sorry. And I was like, wow. He's like, let's do a breathing test. So he has me blow <sighs> into this thing as hard as I can. And he looks at it and he goes, you're only using 60% of your lung capacity. It's like, what? I feel fine. He's like, yeah, you feel fine because you've slowly gotten this bad. You don't even know it. So he pulls this out. You guys know what this is? It's an inhaler. Asthmatics have it. He shook it up. He's like, I want you to push the button, take a deep breath, then take another breath. I said, okay. I had no idea the breath that I was missing. 
I didn't even know I wasn't breathing. Until I felt that breath, until I felt abundance, until I felt abundance in my lungs, I almost started crying right there. So many of us, we haven't killed our spiders. We're we're spiritually asthmatic. You've been breathing at 60% of your lung capacity, but you're gonna know you've killed it when you take that breath and you feel 100%. And you're gonna know. For those of you guys that maybe don't understand, even if you've never had asthma, one more example, and I think this is gonna solidify this, what abundance is. My family and I were camping uh, a few months ago in the High Sierras, north of Yosemite. Beautiful, beautiful. It's where my wife's from, and the kids had gone in the tent. I mean, the, the sky is just littered with millions of stars. You guys know when you've been out of the city and you're looking at the stars, it's just beautiful. And so we're looking at the stars, and my wife's like, hey, I'd like you to take a picture of the stars. And I was like, yeah, well, I could do that. Yeah, so, so where's your camera? See, it's over there. And it's one of those fancy cameras. Not like the little, not my phone, like the fancy camera. She's like, we have the fancy camera, take a fancy picture. So I was like, okay. I look at it, and I don't know how to use the buttons and the dials. So I didn't know what to do, so I put it on what mode? Auto mode. Why, a dummy can take a picture in auto mode. So I put it on auto mode, grabbed the camera, pointed that bad boy at the sky, and went, click. And I was like, oh. So I took it over to Heather, and I said, well, here's the picture, babe. And you could probably count, like, 30 stars. And she goes, no, it's not the picture I want. I want the picture of the sky, what we see. And I was like, oh, babe, I, I don't know how to do that. Like I put it on auto mode. She's like, no, no, no. We bought that expensive camera. You take a picture of every star that's in the sky. <laughs> so I texted my friend, Jeremy, and I was like, hey man, he's a professional photographer. He's like, he knows what he's doing. I was like, hey, I'm trying to take a picture of the stars in the sky, but it's not working. He's like, well, what do you have it on? I was like, auto. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You can't have it on auto mode. You have to put it on manual. Oh, well, Jeremy, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to do that. He's like, I, I, I know, you're going to mess up. Like, you're you're going you're gonna to take a lot of bad pictures. This is what you have to do. You have to put it on manual mode. Then you have to turn the aperture to 1.4, and the aperture actually opens the eye of the lens. And the reason why it has to open is because all the light that's available has to come in. Then you have to slow the shutter speed down to to let the shutter overexpose for 30 seconds. Because normally when you take a picture with the camera, it just goes click, click. But now with the shutter, it's got to go click, wait 30 seconds, click again. And, but, but because you're doing that, you can't hold the camera because all the light's going to come in or else it's going to be blurry. So then what you got to do is put it on a tripod. And I'm like, I just want a freaking picture of the stars. <laughs> and I tried and I took a picture and it was just white. It looked like heaven. There was, you couldn't see anything. Then I, I'm messing with dials and then it's completely black. You can't even see anything. And I kept messing up and messing up and messing up and messing up. And an hour later, as it's on a tripod, and I finally put a remote on my phone, and I'm like, I clicked, and it clicked, 30 seconds clicked. Finally, after an hour, this is the picture that I took. You see, this is abundance. That's abundance. But you know what? You know what? This took work. You know what? I actually had to get off of auto mode. We have to get off of auto mode. We have to do the work. You have to learn to hear from God. You're going to mess up. You're going to hear wrong things. You're going to take bad photos of your life. Things are going to be bad. But when you get it 
and you practice and you get it and you mess up over and over. Eventually you get this. But here's the thing. Before you kill the spider, you're living with that. This is not what God has for you. He has so much more. He has, he has this. He has that. And if there's one thing I want is every single person in this room to be living that. But that won't happen until you break the agreement you've made with the enemy and the lie he has told you. And it's feasible and it's possible when we gaze at God and glance at life. Let's pray. Jesus, right here, right now, there are minds are running, hearts are beating because we know we're so close, so close to abundance and breath and all the things you have for us when we kill our spiders. So I ask specifically by the blood of the cross, the power of the resurrection and the authority that you've given every single believer in this room in your ascension, we ask that you reveal the spider in our life. Jesus, reveal the lie we've made an agreement to, whether when we were eight years old when we made it or whether it was eight weeks ago when we made it. Reveal to us these lies so that we can destroy those lies. Father, you are so much greater than the enemy. You have so much more. Lord, fear, in the name of Jesus, we break the agreement we have with fear. We break the agreement we have with anxiety. We break the agreement we have that is causing our alcoholic tendencies, us to look at pornography, all of the things, Jesus, all of the lies that we've made to, in the name of Jesus Christ, direct us to those lies so we can be free and breathe. For it is in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ that each and every person in here shouted amen. 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 Oh, let's stand together. Let's respond in these moments to our good God.